Welcome to HeyYA Extra Credit. Every other week opposite the main podcast, we offer this short form podcast about backlist titles, book recommendations, and discussion fodder to examine the depth and breadth of young adult books. HeyYA Extra Credit is hosted by me, Sarah Hannah Gomez. This is episode 80 and a half. We are recording on Sunday, October 25th. First, I want to tell you guys about our sponsor for today, and then we'll get started. Our sponsor this week is Smash It by Francina Simone, published by Inkyard Press. Olivia Liv James is done with letting her insecurities get the best of her. So she does what any self-respecting hot mess of a girl who wants to smash junior year does. She makes a list, an F it list. She kicks it off by trying out for the school musical, saying yes to a date and making new friends. However, with change comes a lot of missteps and being bold means following her heart. So, what happens when Liv's heart is interested in three different guys, and two of them are her best friends? That's Smash It by Francina Simone, published by Inkyard Press. My guest for my first HeyYA Extra Credit episode is Tim Milner, who teaches English and Journalism at the Gregory School in Tucson, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you so much. So I wanted to invite you on extra credit for a couple reasons. First, I realized we have known each other since eighth grade, which is uncomfortably close to 20 years ago. So, So we knew each other as teens and we know each other now as adults. We both teach you secondary school and me at the college level where I teach future teachers. And um, we chat here and there on Facebook about books we're reading or teaching. So I thought it would be fun to actually talk to you because I haven't seen you in person for a while. And with COVID, I'll probably never see anybody in person again. (laughs) It does feel that way sometimes. Right. Oh, times are weird. But first, why don't you tell people a little about yourself and about um, your interests, including YA, but also outside of YA? Great. So I have lived in Tucson for most of my life. I wasn't born here, but I've lived here for most of my life. I attended University of Arizona for each of my degrees, whether it was my bachelor's in English and music theory and all the way through the College of Education, uh, master's in secondary education. I started in the public schools in Tucson, where I did my student teaching at CDO and taught at Flowing Wells High School, and then made my way back to our alma mater, the Gregory School. So I've taught there for a couple of years now, teaching English journalism. I coach the soccer team, uh, among other things. Oh, I did not know you were coaching the soccer team. Yeah, it is wild that you teach at our old school. And for a minute last year, I worked I lived like across the street from our high school. So <laughs> Tucson's weird. We never really escape anything. Absolutely. That, that's, that could be Tucson's motto. <laughs> <laughs> you never escape anything. Yeah. And even if you leave town, you'll find someone who you know or your neighbor knows. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about YA. I would like to know what you were reading in high school and what YA you're reading now. You know, in high school, and maybe I've had sort of a reverse journey here, I don't really have any memory of reading YA in high school. And I think that my personal journey with YA in some ways highlights why I think it's important in a, again, in sort of a backwards way here. In high school, I totally thought that I was above it. I thought that I was mature enough and old enough that 
I only needed to read adult literature, you know, some, something along those lines, that stuff that you've heard before. And so I really didn't read YA in high school. It really wasn't until, I guess, my master's program or, or probably somewhere, definitely in undergrad that I started reading YA, started talking to people about YA and starting to understand why my thinking on it in high school was totally backwards. So my, my journey with YA, I guess, is, is a bit funny in a sense in that I, I didn't start reading a lot of YA until I was well past being a teen. I think you're kind of not unique there. I I remember in undergrad, I wrote a short story for my creative writing class and my TA gave me the great compliment of, well, it almost veered YA there, but you, you actually like kind of made it out and kept it literary. And I was like, thank you, question mark. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that I realized later than I would have liked to, but you know, we can't put a timeline on those things always. We learn things when when we learn things. But you know, I think that it was later on that I started to realize through, you know, just discussions with other aspiring teachers and being in I think for me that the biggest turning point was being part of a little book group that was within a grad class that I was taking where we had to form YA book groups. And throughout the semester, you know, every month with our book group, everyone got to take turns picking and all of that. And I think it wasn't really until that moment that I started to identify and understand how important YA is to to me and and the value that I see in it. And, you know, from then on started reading it personally and both just for personal enjoyment and as something to recommend to students to talk to students about, et cetera. Nice. Yeah. I think it's fun when you read YA because then when your students are excited about something, you are legitimately excited about it too. And you don't have to fake it when you're like, I know, I was shocked. Yeah. And, you know, and I witnessed, you know, when I did my year of student teaching, I student taught with a teacher who adored YA. And it was probably the bulk of what she read. And she had so much excitement talking about it and wanted to talk to her students about YA. And so, you know, I think that certainly was another step in my journey of of getting deeper and deeper into it because she just, you know, always had books that she wanted me to read and such. That definitely helps. I think sometimes peer pressure is wonderful. (laughs) So what YA have you been reading recently that you really like? Recently, my personal YA journey has taken a turn that's not intentionally. um, It's just sort of fallen into place that when I'm looking back at what I've been reading lately, it's been really heavy on YA graphic novels. And I think there are just a lot of wonderful things going on in that universe right now that every time I'm going YA right now, it seems to be just continuing down that path. So a couple of favorites recently, I absolutely love Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me by Mariko Tamaki. And it's beautifully drawn, just a really unique, very cool art style. And from a storytelling perspective, A, I just enjoy the story, but B, I think that it's one of those ones that does a fantastic job of giving us not just the typical sort of like, oh, this is a story that indicates diversity and that's really important, but going the step beyond that I think we need to do more of, of really different gender expressions in the book, really different body types, really different types of people, not just like, oh, this book has 
characters of a couple different ethnicities, but really going into the next level of like, these are many different, truly unique gender expressions, body types, and all sorts of different types of characters. The other thing that I've really enjoyed about the book is that in terms of the relationship that it has, the big emphasis is on a sort of constant gaslighting from Laura Dean, the character that Laura Dean sort of the extreme gaslighter to to her girlfriend. And I just being around teens all the time, I know that, you know, their struggles in their emotional growth, watching, you know, these young relationships where they're learning sort of how to be in a relationship and how to treat a human and what's acceptable and what's not. That gaslighting is one of those things that even maybe accidentally at at first ends up being a big part of a lot of teen relationships, not to generalize that too much, but I think that I witness, you know, as my teens in at school are sort of navigating early relationships and such that gaslighting tends to be a big teen relationship issue. Like I said, maybe even at first accidentally. And I thought the book dealt with a sort of gaslighting heavy relationship in a really, really strong and powerful way. Accidental gaslighting is, I didn't know anyone else thought of things that way. Like we could have a whole hour conversation just about that and like invite a therapist on. Right. It's so true. I've been meaning to read that book for ages and now it's, you know, lost in the depths of my book storage, but I'm really excited for it. What other graphic novels have you been reading? Another one that I absolutely loved that I I guess I think of it as as YA still. It, it maybe some might some might say no, but I, I did think of it as YA with, was Bingo Love by T. Franklin. It takes a, a story of queer characters sort of looking back at at their lives and looking back at their teenage years and sort of seeing this development of of not being comfortable coming out. And it reflects a, a really beautiful story of you know these older women sort of, you know reconnecting later on. But I think that it does so in in a really beautiful way of showing that like, this is a really lovely story and a lovely connection. But I like to picture that teens reading it are seeing that like, it it doesn't have to be this way for you, that you don't have to go down this path, hopefully, of of feeling like you're not going to be able to come out until much later. Yeah, that's definitely something we don't want for our teens. I feel like I'm sounding like a counselor now. (laughs) (laughs) It's inevitable, you know, I think as teachers that we veer into that world, um, that we we wear both hats at times, and sometimes it's hard to uh, to divorce the two. Most definitely. And I think that's what surprises people about teaching. I remember having some friends who were like, did you know I also am basically a nurse and a social worker and a mom and a babysitter, not just a teacher? And, you know, my parents and my sister are teachers. And I was like, Everybody knows that, my friend. <laughs> this is not news. <laughs> the times, where, the times where I've moonlighted as, as a nurse, I think, are the ones that have scared me the most. The, I, you know, f- for injuries, etc. I, I think I'm definitely more comfortable sort of moonlighting as a counselor than a nurse, though. Though it has definitely popped up many times. I bet, especially coaching soccer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have. I've seen bones in the wrong direction, and it's uh, not a great experience. Oh, yikes. So I'm also curious, because I know we often chat on Facebook about this, is 
building a curriculum. We have a mutual former teacher who once asked me for book recommendations. And one of the ones I mentioned was YA. And she said, well, I don't really think that's appropriate for an AP English class. And I have maybe been so petty that I still haven't quite forgiven that. (laughs) (laughs) Now you are teaching that class. (laughs) I do teach that class now. Yeah. So I, I do teach AP English. And right now, my curriculum doesn't have none of the full novels that we're reading. I don't have any YA in there at the moment, though I am not you know, fully opposed to it. I am trying to, to find ways to incorporate YA. At the moment, it does tend to be, you know, I'll admit that it does tend to be with the more individual book recommendations and sort of, you know, independent reading projects, things like that. And there are many students that I get to talk to a lot about YA, a lot of students that are still very, very passionate about it. And, you know, I have my, my go-to recommendations that I love and enjoy talking about the ones that, that they're into right now. I definitely think that it has a place in the classroom, but I will, you know, sort of in defense of, of the teachers who are resistant to it, I, I do. I do get it because there is a lot of potential administration pressure or parent questioning of why books in a curriculum. And so it definitely takes some extra training of your, you know, group around you to make sure that it that it can work in the classroom. But I absolutely do think that it has a place in the classroom. My current curriculum is just sort of it just sort of didn't end up there, I guess. Yeah, I can definitely see the struggle because it is an area that you are either the the Hannah and Tim of the world or you are the previous Tim in high school where right. oh, no, I only read adult literature. <laughs> right. And, and you know, and I think for me with the current AP curriculum, I'm so conscious of trying to move it forward a bit and that we're not just strictly reading the canon anymore and I'm trying to incorporate more contemporary texts incorporate more diversity in a you know AP's often been painfully lacking in diversity and so I I sort of have this big list of goals and it's hard you know having just taken on AP this year it's hard to accomplish them all at once YA is definitely one of those goals but I, I am proud of the curriculum that I have this year it accomplishes a few of my goals but I think over time you know, we'll get there. I've taught YA when I did uh, freshman English and have always made it a big part of like summer reading options and independent book reading projects, but still, still working towards getting it to be a, you know, a more central part of the AP curriculum that, that I still have more work to do. Yeah, I would say probably the AP people have some work to do in that respect, too. (laughs) Yeah, the AP people could do some more work to support me in that one, I think. But one of the ones that that I did consider for this year, you know, because there are a couple really go-to recommendations that that I tend to fall back on uh, with my students that are really into YA and some of them like, okay, what are some that they maybe haven't heard of? Because a lot of the the big ones are still the big ones. Like for my students that are really into YA, I would say that something like The Hunger Games will still be like one of the main ones that comes up over and over when I ask them, you know, like which which sort of books are you into? That 
like the big ones are still the big ones. And so I always try to keep in my back pocket some of the ones that I think they might not be as familiar with. And I think the piece of YA that's closest, and we're going to read excerpts of it this year, but the one that I think is closest to becoming a full part of the curriculum is Bell Hooks's Bone Black, which you know is kind of a, a, a big departure from her work, not in content, but in, in style and in that it, it's, you know, written to be for a, a younger audience. It's extremely accessible and written as sort of a, a memoir that, that teens can, can read very easily. And I just love for, for this age group in particular, the, the way that she approaches sort of how to forge an identity that's in contrast with the world around you, because they, they focus a lot in, in this work on sort of, you know, their early childhood and development and all of that. And it really does a, a, an amazing job of kind of framing to, for whoever you are, what it means to forge an, an identity that's just so absurdly in contrast with, with the world that you're growing up in. Well, I'm glad I'm taking show notes because I have not heard of that one. So I'm going to go, go throw that on my TBR after we're done talking. Yeah, it was one of those ones that came up. You know, I mentioned earlier that I, I did those YA book groups in, in one of the, the grad classes, and it was one that someone else had recommended uh, that I read through one of those. And, and there's another that came up in one of those that, that I still recommend a fair amount, which is E.K. Johnston's Exit Pursued by a Bear. Have you read that one? I have read her... Um thousand and one nights i still have not read exit pursued by a bear but i i know it's good i almost feel like i never read the ones i know are going to be good because (laughs) then i will have read them and (laughs) then i can't look forward to it that one's a a true like all-time favorite book for me i think i was immediately grabbed by the title just being a reference to what I always think of as, you know, like for better or worse, the, in my mind, the most iconic stage direction in, in all of theater, you know, especially with Shakespeare's sort of propensity to not include stage directions that you have winner's tale with, you know, I get to that stage direction, I just laugh out loud and I see exit pursued by a bear. It is just truly hilarious to me. So the the title caught me because I know I know that reference so well. and And it was one of those books where... Before I knew a single thing about it, I was like, I like that title. I'm going to read that book. <laughs> but then, you know, totally separate from the title, while it is a book that when I talk to a student about it, it comes with the big trigger warning because of the nature of it revolving completely around sexual assault. I think that if it's a student that I'm confident can read that comfortably, that it does a, a better job than anything I've ever read that revolves around sexual assault of what it means to sort of take back your narrative to a book that shows the power that it gives to the survivor, I guess, and the sense of what it means to to control one's narrative, to be able to take it back and show such a powerful survivor sort of, you know, moving forward and crafting their story and their ending. Well, I guess I will actually read it soon-ish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I only hear good things, so... Yeah, and and we, I think all readers, we we say that a lot. We're like, oh, I'll I'll read that soon, and then we look at our stack, and it's like, well, there's like 15 things ahead of it, so soon is going to have to be relative. <laughs> exactly, but you know, someday, someday it will be a title that is less aspirational and more deliberate 
intention to read from the 2000 book TBR I have. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, you mentioned that you have actually taught some YA when you taught freshman English. Do you remember some of those titles? Yeah. Last year, so I I had a brief foray in freshman English that wasn't really a a choice. I, I have taught seniors for a few years and had to take a a one-year departure just based on need to teach freshmen. And we read Turtles All the Way Down by John Green was a a good fit with what we were doing in that class. And it was one of those, I I think at at that point, I I was new to the school and I knew that I was, yeah, maybe these these are things that are, that are are less wise to admit, but I I just didn't want to really. I knew I wanted to teach YA, but I didn't really want to go out on a limb. I wanted it to be easy for me to defend, which sounds like kind of a cop out, but that's kind of the reality in teaching. Sometimes that I wanted to make sure that it was easy for me to defend, and I know that it's a household name, and that I didn't think I I would encounter any trouble there. And students absolutely love that book. I was so thrilled with the experience of just, yeah, boy, uh, I think as, as teachers, we all know that so frequently we, we bring a a text to a class and we think like, Oh, they're going to get excited about this. This is so interesting. And then you figure out like, well, this is interesting to my adult mind and it is not to them. (laughs) Definitely. But man, they love turtles all the way down. Well, that's good to know as a go-to. So wish list time, which if, if AP all of a sudden got a clue and entered this century, what <laughs> texts do you think you would love, not just because you want to share them with teenagers, but that you think would be really, let's say, meaty books for like classroom discussion? Are there any in mind? The ones that I already mentioned are, are certainly the first two that come to mind, like Bone Black and Exit Pursued by a Bear. They're always my two big recommendations. And so I think, you know, for, for that reason alone, just because I'm always so excited to have those discussions about those books, I, I really think that, you know, we, we could have the, the big classroom discussions with them for sure. So those are the ones that, that, that do come to mind off the top of my head. Yeah, the, the, those, are, those are the top two. I, I, I hate to repeat myself, but those really, I, I also don't want to be disingenuous. Those are the first two I'd look at. <laughs> Fair enough. Always better to not lie. (laughs) Like you, like you just did with admitting why you taught John Green. It makes perfect sense. People are less likely to argue with a dead or living white guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally true. So it's funny. I was thinking back to when we knew each other as teens and I guess, would you say we were in adjacent friend groups? If that. That's a fair way of putting it. That's, yeah, that's a very accurate way of putting it. I, I probably wouldn't have put it that way, but I quite like it. Okay, so we were in adjacent friend groups. Um, we called you the Lounge Boys, and from what I've heard, you called us the Seven. I don't know if that's right, but... I don't recall that, um, but I don't doubt it as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I was remembering senior year of high school, That was when I think independently you and I became like very into music. You did an independent study on conducting, I think. And I was like really digging into like piano and writing songs privately and doing musical theater. And then we both shifted and now we 
teach literature, which is really funny. What kind of epiphany or long-term self-introspection brought you to teaching? Well, you know, I, I still consider sort of those music parts of my personality, I guess, like or the, the things that drove me to music running parallel with the things that, that drove me to literature in some ways. And I definitely incorporate music in my classroom considerably. And I think that for me, it comes down to that part of what I love about music is feeling like I'm sort of solving a, a puzzle. And from, from either side of it, whether it's the composing side, like I'm trying to make the pieces work together, but then what I enjoy the most from the analytical side, because my degree was in music theory, looking at a piece and just trying to understand why does it work this way? Why is it effective? What are the layers of what they're trying to do here overall? What is the point that the author is trying to making? Uh, what's the bigger picture of this composition? And with literature, and in, in particular studying and teaching it, it, it's the same sort of drive for me of that, you know, with students, I'm always just trying to get across the joy of looking at literary analysis as this puzzle of trying to figure out, you know, why is this piece here? And why is this piece here? Why do they fit together? And what is the larger point that the author is trying to make by choosing these pieces and, and making them fit together? So in my head, it's kind of all the same to me, I guess, <laughs> that like I, I don't really picture in my head that there was ever a, a moment where I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to put the music thing to the side and focus more on the literature aspect while from a career standpoint or practical standpoint, that is what happened. In my head, it's all the same thing. It's a really beautiful way of putting it. And it's funny because I love the puzzle aspect of music too. When I get tired of literature, I, that's when I go back to piano because it's math. And that's why I rejoined a choir because music is math and it makes my math brain happy. It, it's one of the things that I, that I frequently, you know, especially for the students that are just immediately kind of put on the like, I don't like reading. I don't like poetry. You know, for for those students in particular, I, I try to really play up the like. Well, we're not just reading here. We're we're detectives. You know, we we are digging through this thing for all the clues that it has, and and trying to figure out. You know, what what's going on here? What what what's this one trying to do? What are they up to? Uh, you know, what what mystery are they hiding from us? And so I I try to really stress those aspects. As like I said, especially for the ones that just kind of immediately put up the, you know, I don't like reading poetry's dumb, you know, for, for those students, I think it can be a fun, fun angle to try to spin. Or it's like, well, we're not reading. We're, we're detectives here today. You know? That's really fun. I'll have to tell that to my class next week before we finish up. Cause I know we could easily talk for an hour, but I think listeners will be mad at us. What's on your TBR. That's YA specifically do you have any books you're really looking forward to when you have you know what teachers have so much of which is free time oh um yeah you know my tbr in general right now is kind of hurting in terms of this remote learning in general i think has certainly compounding a lot of difficulties in life but you know one of them being that my 
personal reading time this quarter in particular has has suffered more than it has any other quarter in reading and you know like i can see my personal stack from where i'm sitting right now of what i had planned on reading next and it's not just that it's so high that it would tip over if you like walked in anywhere near it the, the sadder part is that like two things have come off the top of it in the last you know month which is well 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 behind my my typical average so to be honest i i can't think off the top of my head um what's next on my my ya stack but definitely open to recommendations my my ya stack might be underdeveloped right now because i think the yeah the the most recent things that came off of that weren't replaced oh that's dangerous especially when we give everyone your social media information (laughs) (laughs) no i i i would welcome that the i can tell you the, the last one i think that came off of it i believe was hot dog girl which i enjoyed but i don't think that it's been replaced yet I can tell you, all listeners of Hey YA are screaming with laughter right now because Eric Smith, who I replaced as co-host, mentioned Hot Dog Girl in probably 10 straight episodes, I want to say. He's (laughs) obsessed with it. It's great, yeah. I haven't read it partly because I thought it would be funnier to come on the show and be like, I love Eric so much. I'm so sorry he's gone. Also, I still haven't read Hot Dog Girl. (laughs) But I really should. It sounds great. Yeah, it was another that maybe that stayed in the stack for a little bit too long. Yeah, as do they all. I hope everyone was clear that I was being sarcastic. Teachers have no free time ever. But we all try. I always tell my students, you know, no one ever has time to read. You make time. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> I have that discussion a lot. And, you know, again, the, this quarter, I'm, I'm not walking the walk and talking the talk quite as well. But typically, you know, when when I'm telling students that I, you know, personally read one to two books a week, it's always like, oh, how could you have time for that? It's like, well, it's just like anything in life. You, you just you just make time for it. <laughs> you know, like you, you do a little bit less of this and a little bit less of that. And all of a sudden you, you, you have time. I, I think that a lot of people and this is just maybe less a, a point about youth and more about just people in general. I think people forget that if you read 25 to 50 pages a day, which isn't a huge time commitment, then all of a sudden you're reading a book a week. And, you know, I think like everyone can make that time, you know, even teachers who we have absolutely no time, everyone can read 25, 50 pages a day. And like I said, all of a sudden, then you're reading a book a week. Good way to put it. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can people find you on social media? Best places to find me would be Instagram at Tim F. Milner. That's F as in Frank. And then on Twitter at TFM1972. And again, that was F as in Frank. I'm going to need you to tell me the story later about 1972. I think numbers that people choose for social media are always interesting. Uh, it's it's a sports thing. I think that the big sports people would know. <laughs> okay. That explains why I don't know. Yeah. 
Well, thank you again. Um, you can find me, Sarah Hannah Gomez, on Twitter and Instagram at shgmiklicious and on Instagram again as bookishgirlfit. Thank you so much for listening to Hey YA Extra Credit this week. And thanks again to our sponsor for making the show possible. Kelly and I will be back next week with a full length episode. And until then, happy reading. Happy reading.